Y and Billy Penn. It is hitting season. I'm your host, John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Uh, I guess we're still calling it Twitter, right? We're not We're not calling it X. Uh, Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher or X. I don't know what we're doing anymore. We're not doing that. No. We're not. <laughs> okay. do, we're not. We're not joining in that mass delusion. Elon yeah. Musk has wanted to turn everything into X since forever, apparently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not joining in. Yeah, I won't be at least. No, no, call it Tesla. Maybe call Tesla Y or something. No, we don't don't have to. No. All right, well, you can just ignore it totally. I think that's fine too. Um, We'll talk about this series against the Royals. The Phillies wrapped up here uh, this weekend at Citizens Bank Park. I I will admit, I was selfishly looking for a sweep of this series, a 35 win Royals team, one of the worst teams in baseball coming in here. You think it's a great opportunity for the Phillies to really uh, put some distance between them and the rest of the National League wildcard teams. But as it turns out, most of the rest of the National League wildcards had a horrible weekend, and so the Phillies have really kind of helped themselves even by just winning two out of three. And I know, Liz, on Sunday when, when Taiwan Walker gave up three runs early, it sure did not look like things were going to end up on a high note. Our tones, I could already feel it welling inside me, was going to be very different from the tone that I'm presenting now. But thankfully, uh, they did come back to win on Sunday, a huge comeback win for them that salvaged this series, which it, it could have gone in a whole other direction it really could have especially after that that first game the the Phillies love doing that they love winning a um they they love losing the first game of a series and then going on to win the other three the other two just to yes screw with us just to play with us I'm actually going to bring it up and see if I could do a quick count um, well, I, rem- I remember I heard the stat uh, the other day um, they had done it's it's the eighth time this year they've lost the first game of a series and then gone on to win the series that they whether it's a two, a two a three game or a four game series. It didn't happen a single time last year. The Phillies wow. did not win a single series in 2022 in which they lost the first game. That's why we all they've feel done it eight times so this year. garbage every time they they <laughs> lose the first game of the series, which they've done, as we now know, a fair amount, eight times enough for us, yeah. enough for us to you know notice. Well, that's just you the know, eight but, times like, they've it, won. We still, mm-hmm. Oh, I like guess they've you're lost right. some, they have lost some series <laughs> where they've lost the first game or split them, but they've won eight of them, which is, you know, way more than they than they did last year. They didn't do it at all last yeah. year. So it really is kind of an amazing thing. Yeah, like I said, it's enough for us to notice that it does happen uh, and yes. to continue, at least for me, to feel uh, a lot of post-traumatic stress from last year when I was just, we were all curled up in a <laughs> in a ball anytime they'd lose the opening game of a series because it was over. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're gonna so we're gonna talk about this series and um, what happened on Friday, and uh, as well as the games on Saturday, Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about the, all the Trey Turner and hullabaloo with the fans, and that really took on a life of its own this Ooh. weekend. And um, uh, Brandon Marsh hits the injured list. We'll talk about what the Phillies are gonna do to cover for that. And Cole Hamels announced his retirement, Liz. Uh, so we'll talk a little Cole Hamels here at the end of the podcast as well. Um, real quick, the wild card standings as of Sunday night, uh, as we're recording this, I believe the 
Dodgers and no, who is there still playing? One of the wild card teams is still playing. Um, but uh, the Giants uh, lost. They lost two out of three this weekend. Uh, the Chicago Cubs are really the other than the Phillies, the only wild card team playing well at the moment. The Cubs have now moved in to a tie for that third wild card spot with the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds got swept this weekend in Washington against the Nationals. Uh, the Marlins have now lost four in a row, so they're half a game out. They're holding the fifth spot, and the Arizona. The Diamondbacks have lost six in a row. They're a game and a half back of the third wildcard spot. The Padres all of a sudden are two and a half back of the third wildcard spot. But the Phillies are tied with the Giants for the top wildcard spot in the National League. And they are three games ahead of the third wildcard, the Chicago Cubs and Cincinnati Reds. So uh, while they haven't separated themselves from the Giants, uh, they have given themselves a little bit of breathing room away from that third wildcard. So at the moment, the Phillies in a stronger position than they have been all year and have gotten back to a season-high 10 games over 500 at 61 and 51. So, Liz, while this was kind of a... Uh, a it's a little disappointing that uh, they weren't able to take two out of three from the Pirates at the at the start of this um, this 14 game swing against the Pirates, Marlins, Royals, and Nationals. They did make up for it by taking three out of four against the Marlins, uh, and they won two out of three against the Royals. And the rest of the National League kind of helped the Phillies out a little bit here to give themselves a little bit more space. So all in all, I think especially coming back to win on Sunday and and saving us the heartburn of having to try and talk about this team losing a series at home to the Royals. Mm. The Phillies the Phillies in these last two games, it really felt to me like some of the 2022 postseason vibes were back. The big five were hitting big home runs. They get down early. Somebody hits a big home run to get them right back in it. You know, they kept battling back and forth. The crowd erupting in big moments. Like it really felt, this was the first time this year for me, it felt like, Oh my gosh, I see a little bit of the 2022 playoff Phillies for the first time here in 2023. Did you get a sense of that at all? I did, and I'll admit I think it's it's weirdly because the team the teams is very close. They're all they're all very close as far as teammates go. Yeah. And I it's taken them a while this year to sort of let the fans in. Like mm -hmm. they, they've been saying a lot of the, you know, the same things, but like the last few, the last couple of weeks, you know, Nick Castellanos and Trey Turner have gotten really honest. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, the, uh, the Alec Bohm thing did it last year. This yeah. year it took a little longer for this, but I think the Trey Turner thing really allowed the team and the fans to connect in a way that they haven't yet this year. You know, yeah. that moment, it the moments with him, with Trey Turner, um, you know, at home plate before he would bat, those were amazing. But him hitting that enormous home run, mm. my God. I mean, yeah. what, what a moment that is. And I think that there really hasn't been another, I mean, I, I'm sure there maybe has been and I just don't remember. But yeah. No, but it's uh, at I don't least think as there's... big as any moment they've had this year. Exactly. I think it's as big as any moment they've had this year. And that makes a difference to me. I think, you know, now everyone's in it. It feels more like everyone's in it together instead of just the team fighting on its own. 
Yeah. No, and that's the case for sure, because we, we've been hearing Bryce Harper talk about the fan. Bryce Harper had some comments after the game on Sunday uh, talking to uh, on the postgame show. He basically said, um, you know, given what the fans did with Trey Turner, it's incredible. I wouldn't want a fan base any other way. They want you to work hard, play hard. They want you to perform. I wish I'd started my career here. You know, I mean, Bryson Stott said after the game, outside of the playoffs, obviously, I think this is one of the coolest things I've seen talking about the reaction to Trey Turner in the media and all that. All you hear is how this place is terrible you don't want to play here they don't like their players blah 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 you know it's these guys it's it's feels there there's a connection growing between this fan base and the team and and the crowds have been huge all season long no 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 team has seen as big a spike in in attendance as the Phillies have had this year the crowds were enormous this weekend and I, you know, during the course of the week when the people were talking about booing Trey Turner, cheering t- Trey Turner, I was definitely in favor of going out of your way to cheer Trey Turner because it's certainly clear that he's been dealing with some mental stuff going on, you know, preventing him from really accessing, I think, his full potential. Maybe pressing because he he's, doesn't want to hear the boos. He doesn't want to disappoint Maybe it's not the fans, but it, his teammates or, or whatever it is. Maybe he does, does want to not disappoint the fans, you know? And knowing and he, that it's... In- at the at its basic, most basic, he just wants to do his job well. Yeah, and and to know that you can you're coming to the plate now with the support of everybody, and really it's in reaction to his post game comments after the game against the Marlins that that he cost them. You know, it's re- right. It's exactly like what happened with Alec Bohm last year, and I think it's a template for players. And we talked about this all the time last year when Alec Bohm was was surging that. If you're, you know, if you're honest and you're straightforward and you're upfront, you know, the fa- the fans will will come out and support you. And I I wonder if this is the turning point, right? Is this is 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 this finally a turning point in Trey Turner season? And as a consequence, maybe a turning point in the Philly season, where you've got all of these home games now the rest of the way. I think they play 30 of their last 50 games are home games. Um, you, you've, you're playing some some weaker opponents here over the course of the next two months. And now it seems like maybe some of these star players are starting to come out of it, and Trey Turner may be one of those guys starting to come out of it. You mentioned the big home run. He had a big RBI double that provided insurance in that game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. He had a he had a double in the bottom of the first inning that looked really good here on, on Sunday. You know, and so there's there's some maybe there's something going on here. Maybe maybe this is the start of something. And we've said it before. You know, is this the point where the Phillies springboard and, and turn it around and, and kick it into gear? But you know, some maybe it's maybe this is what it is. Maybe, we just kind of hope, but we kind of have to wait and see how Turner plays. You know, from here on out. But he looked more comfortable. It seemed to me just in these last two games. He definitely did look more comfortable, and I'm I'm glad you said that. You know, maybe this is what they are, because I think we set ourselves up for failure when we look for a turning point, because stories mm-hmm. are never that simple. You know, we, we had yeah. the the joy of last June of 2022 of that being like a storybook. But mm-hmm. the end of that, you know, the end of that month came and things weren't that easy the rest of the way. You know, like we remember 2011, which was when things I think were as easy as anybody had ever remembered them in the history of the franchise. Yeah, that was that was, you know, a franchise high for wins. They barely lost a series all season. Yeah. You know, and we all wrote, you know, a lot of us remember how that felt and that it's never going to feel that way again. We have to pretend that that never happened. (laughs) Like we were like, when are they going to turn it around? Like they they, they are turned around. This is this is baseball. Yeah, this is the baseball season now. (laughs) Yeah, well, they're not the Braves, right? Exactly. We, we see, they're not and, the Braves. 
And I think that's where some of it comes into play. Like, you know, you see this team in your division that's a machine that you beat in the playoffs last year, and you see this team that's just rolling. The Braves are the, the, clearly the best team in baseball right now, and and they just pile up win after win. And, and you, you see your team, why, why, can't, why can't the Phillies do that? But then you look at the rest of the National League, and you see the Phillies are performing, despite the fact that they can be so incredibly frustrating when they lose two out of three to the Pirates. But you just saw a Reds team Go in there and get swept by the by the Nationals. We, we've seen other good teams get beat by bad teams. And I think, I know, I'll speak for myself, I need to take more of a, a longer view and, and just simply look back at last year and the course of this year and, and see where this team has been and what they've done and, and not get so not get so hyperactive about it. Like, if they lose three out of four to the Nationals, I'm going to be upset. You know? And I'm you should be, be. That's yeah. fine. There's no, but it doesn't like, define things. It doesn't define things. And I don't think you have to go back and take a look and be like keeping a graph of everything. Right. <laughs> I really don't yeah. think you have to do that. We're a weekly podcast. Sure. We broadcast what we, we've got episodes coming out three times a week. Right. Like we're the fact that we, we don't constantly repeat ourselves and only repeat mm-hmm. ourselves somewhat is right. a miracle. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So let's talk about Aranola. No, I'm just kidding. We, we are going to talk about Aranola. <laughs> God, but, must we. Uh, we must, uh, we must. But uh, we'll just—I did just want to mention in these uh, f- these two wins on on Saturday and Sunday, the big five really did uh, come through for them. And of course, they got big hits from Bryson Stott and Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm love him in the two hole. He seems to really be a great fit for that spot. <laughs> you could um, not keep that man off base this no. weekend. He no. would not. He would not stop being on base. And Stott too. Yeah, like the two of them are just. Yeah. They had that just, little dip after the beginning of the season, but they have just been powering everything. Yeah. And Brandon Marsh, too, before he got hurt oh, on yeah. Saturday, the, the three of them have been so steady uh, really since since June, since the start of June. They had that dip in May. And then in June, they've really all three of them come through. Stott, that first inning three-run home run to answer back was shocking. That ball did not look like it was going to carry over the fence. I mean, that's a hot Philadelphia summer afternoon home run right there. That's a citizen's. We don't see many CBP specials anymore, but that was a CBP special that just cleared over the fence in left center field. But he obviously got a lot of it he does not hit opposite field home runs Liz and so when that ball went up in the air like that I thought maybe warning track but it just kept going and going and going and that was I I know the the Schwarber home run was huge the Castellanos home run was huge the Stott homer in the first inning was the hit of the game because it totally it just answered right away and let everybody know the Phillies are not going to roll over and die in this one they do have a great shot to win this game and win this series yeah, it's the not rolling over and dying that feels so good to watch. Yeah. Because there have been games where we felt like they would do that. Lots of We've seen them have lots of low-scoring games when they did not win. And those are those are the worst. Like, yeah. I seeing them go down early and then just, like, immediately answer back, that's always what you want to see. Even if they don't catch all the way up, just knowing mm-hmm. that there's life in the bats – after seeing yeah. the other team do that. Like, that's really comforting from a fan perspective. Well, and, and especially after they got two men on, uh, man in scoring position, and, um, and and they hit into some bad luck. I think it was, uh, 
who hits right before Stott? Was it Castellanos who had a line drive uh, right at the second baseman or oh, something? That was that, really bad luck. Oof. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, they're going to miss this opportunity or they could miss this opportunity. And But then Stott answers. But uh, I was going to say the big five, when they're hitting home runs, when they're doing what they did on Saturday and Sunday, I will say this about it. When the, when the Phillies' five biggest stars, and of course everybody knows who we're talking about, Schwarber, Harper, Castellanos, Real Muto, and Turner, if they play well, the Phillies are borderline unbeatable. Because you have the, the the rest of the guys around them who are already playing at a high level. You've got maybe a top five starting pitching staff with, with Lorenzen in the fold now already there. And you've got a bullpen which has its you know hits and misses, but generally speaking has gotten the job done this year. If the big five are playing well, if they're hitting home runs, if they're scoring runs, this team is going to be almost impossible to beat because there's nowhere to go in the lineup. And you're not going to get much of a chance to breathe from the starting rotation most of the time. So that's why the, the wins on Saturday with Turner and Harper hitting home runs, and then on Sunday with Schwarber and Castellanos hitting home runs, this is how they did it in the playoffs in, in 2022. Harper's bat, his power seems to be coming around, Liz, hitting 379, 406 with a 621 slugging over his last seven games. Castellanos figured something out. No, thank God. <laughs> during the course of the Miami series. Thank God. In the last... Seriously, thank heavens. I mean, he really, he does look like he's back. 567 slugging percentage, a 267 average with three home runs in his last seven games. Uh, and then, of course, Trey Turner uh, doing what he did. Kyle Schwarber had a three for four game on Sunday. Uh, he'd been walking a lot, but hadn't gotten many hits. But that that ball he hit the dead center field off the batter's Ooh. eye is, that is when Schwarber is really locked in is when he's hitting balls out that way. And if, again, if the big five are hitting this team, this team can put a lot of wins together. They're going to be almost unbeatable. This is what we've been waiting for. Yes. We've been waiting all season for this. Yes. You know, and so this it's so nice to see, see it actually happen, see wins that Turner is, like, actively participating in. Yeah. It is, like, that. that's, like, the final piece we've been waiting for. That's, that's the one thing that has needed, you know, the one player that needed to be started to mm -hmm. get the Phillies over the hump where they've been stumbling lately, which is just scoring enough runs. <laughs> right. That's really it. And that's the thing is like, there's no excuse for this team not to score runs. And that's, what's been frustrating. Like, I think we could understand like if the team all season had been scoring runs, but the pitching had struggled or the bullpen had been, you know, having some issues that would be a little bit more understandable if not less infuriating, but it would still be you know, this team was designed to hit and they're doing everything else right, but not hitting. And so um, at least in this series against some, some lackluster Royals pitching, the Phillies did find their bats, even in the, even in the loss on Friday, they managed to, to score some runs. But let me ask you this, because when this whole, when, before the Pirates series started and I, we knew we were getting the Pirates, a struggling Marlins team, the Royals and the Nationals, that's a 14 game stretch. I had said that I, I would have, thought that with with that level of competition 10 and 4 was a reasonable hope for that right so i expected they would maybe win two out of three against the pirates that they would uh split the series against the marlins that they would sweep the royals and that they would win three out of four against the nationals so right now what they've done is they lost two out of three against the pirates they did worse than i thought there but they did better in miami than i thought winning three out of four they only won two out of three against the royals so as of right now they're six and four in those 10 games if you know let's say they take three out of four from washington that would make them nine and five in that 14 game stretch is that is that good for you would you be happy with that outcome a nine and five record in that 14 game stretch against those particular teams i 
think I would. Yeah, I would be happy with that. Like, there's nothing we can do about the games they've already lost. Yeah. <laughs> I can't can't go back in time and fix that. So I think that's the most, that's the best to expect from the Phillies here. Like, I, I we can all be greedy and be like, yes, let's have a sweep. But we know that's yeah. not going to happen. It's the Nationals and something stupid will at least we will in one see of the games. something stupid. <laughs> yeah. It will happen. One of the teams will be dumb and it will it, it will change things. So Yeah. And and I'll say this as someone who lives in the DC area, I've seen some Nats games. They're spunky. They're not they're not a pushover. They just swept the Reds in a three-game series. They've got some players who are playing pretty well. CJ Abrams is really hot for them right now, but they should take three out of four from this team. It would be a disappointment if they didn't win this series, especially at home. Eight and six in that 14-game stretch, I would be unhappy with. I, nine and five, obviously, at this point, I would take, especially since what we've already talked about, what the wild card standings look like and what some of the other teams have been doing. The Phillies have really helped themselves, but we need to stay there. What we can't have now is the Phillies lose six out of eight. And, and fall back to the pack. Build on where you are. Don't let don't let anybody get any closer. You know, move further away from the Giants, especially with all of these home games, especially with games against subpar opponents, which you don't want to have. You got to 10 games over 500. The last time the Phillies did that, then they went into a losing, a losing funk and got back down to like five and six games over 500. And it has taken them like three weeks to get back to 10 games over 500. It seems like it's a lot easier to lose games than it is to gain games in the standings. And... This they've they've put themselves like they're, they've got their foot on some of these other wild card teams. And if they could just step up, they could be standing on top of them. But too often we let we let teams kind of wriggle out and the Phillies fall back to the pack. And that's that's what I am not wanting to see here over these next uh, couple of weeks, especially in August. The whole August schedule is is pretty favorable to them, Liz, and, and they really need to build on things. Um, and I think, you know, winning three out of four, I think, is the minimum that they should do against the Nationals at home. Yeah, especially at home. I think three out of four yeah. is is definitely right. Like I am looking at the schedule; it is pretty easy. And I think I I was worried. Like momentum for this team tends to shift if they're not just constantly playing. Like everyone is worried. Was worried. Like wow, they've got you know with eighteen you know seventeen games in eighteen days or something like that. And I'm just yeah. like, good, go. Yeah, just play. go play. Mm-hmm. I know you need some rest, but like they go right. They, you know, they, the Nationals come to town tomorrow. They go right into it. There's no break. That's perfect. Yeah. They, they're just yep. going to keep going. They don't have to change anything about what happened today and, you know, on, on, um, on Saturday. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the key. This, this team thrives on routine. <laughs> Yeah, vibes, vibes and routine. Oh yeah, keep the keep the vibes rolling here. Um, you know, I will say one of the one of the vibe killers is obviously Aaron Nola right now, and we got to talk about the game on Friday just a, a little bit. We there's no need to dissect Aaron Nola at this point. We've we've talked about it a lot, but obviously a failure to hold a two to nothing and a four to two lead against the Royals offense that came just five days after he couldn't hold a four to one lead against the the against the Pirates. He's going to match up against Patrick Corbin in the series against the Nationals again. That should be a pitching matchup that favors Aaron Nola and the <laughs> Phillies, but. I, I just with this guy, it's it's so frustrating. And and I'll ask you now that they've got Mike, you know, Michael Lorenzen on this team, with Zach Wheeler, with Lorenzen, with Taiwan Walker and Ranger Suarez, I, I don't can you honestly make the case for Aaron Nola to start a playoff game 
over any of those other four guys right now? Probably Lorenzen because he's been here for two seconds. But but he but but he was an all star this year, and he he just pitched. I mean, I'm not saying he's necessarily going to pitch eight shutout innings every time he goes out there. We'll have to see how things go. But you know, Lorenzen's pitched better than Nola all year. That's true. That's entirely true. Uh, and I, it's it's like a knee jerk reaction. Like he's been here, it's fine. Yeah. But uh, that's not that's not true. Um, yeah. If he can't be better. If he can't be better than Patrick Corbin, like there's there's a problem. We yeah. if he can't outlast Patrick Corbin and his five point oh three ERA, like he has the most hits in all of baseball right now. Yeah. I mean, the Phillies should destroy Patrick Corbin, but that does not mean the Nationals won't destroy Aranola. And yeah, that's true. We, we, <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about Trey Turner and offensive struggles, and we've talked about... I, I'm, I'm at the point now where with, with Aaron... I'm, I really wanted this team to go out and get another outfielder at the trade deadline, but I'm starting to see the genius in Michael Lorenzen right now because I, if Aranola can't go out there and keep you can keep you in games against bad teams... Yeah, he he may every once in a while go out and twirl seven three-hit one-run innings, but if he's only doing that once every four starts and the other three starts, he's putting you behind the eight ball. I, I mean, you're going to keep him in the rotation all year. I, I get that. You're not taking him out of the rotation, and it sounds like they're going with a six-man rotation for the next little while, which I think is great. But I, I don't I don't know what you do with him when, when, when it comes down to crunch time. Like, if if he, if you've got a big game, you know, for like suppose you got a series coming up against one of the wild card teams you're chasing, and or or that you're you're leading, and Aaron Nola is getting matched up, I, do you, is it a point? Is are you at, reaching a point? When do we reach a point if we're not there already? And I don't expect you to necessarily have the answer for this, but when do you reach a point where you say, you know, I think we got to skip Aaron Nola here because he's not giving them a chance to win some winnable games, a four to one lead against the Pirates, you got to protect that. A four to two lead against the Royals in the sixth inning, you got to protect that. And he, he's just this has been. It's not like this is a recent phenomenon. This has been all year, and it's. I, I don't know what the Phillies do about it if it continues. Oh, I'm I'm with you completely, but I also don't know what they do about it. Yeah, because they he's been there for a really long time. Um, he's got the respect of you know the manager. He's got the respect of John Middleton, who was there when he was when Enola was drafted. Like he's been around for a long time, and there's the respect and the seniority makes it tough. Yeah, it because does. It, it really does. Because like I, my brain is going to what happens in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking, all right, well, Zach Wheeler starts the first game. Yeah. Period. There's no question about that. I think anybody. But, like, after that, like, instinct and history says it goes to Aaron Nola. But does it? Yeah. Like, I think I think Rob Thompson probably would give it to him. Just out of habit. I think at this habit. point you're right. Yeah, I mean. But, I mean, at this point in the season, he, I think he'd have to do a, a lot. We have to see the rest of, of what's going to happen. Of course. Because, of course. But if it was at this moment, he definitely would give him the chance. Um, and, but he'd have to be really quick with the hook. Like that's That's, something that I worry about with Rob Thompson is that when it comes to a guy like Nola, I feel like you might have blinders a little bit, you know? Well, he's inconsistent with it because, you know, and who he is to the team, then, 
like actually look a little further to the right and look at his stat line and actually yeah. see the numbers that well, he's Rob, produced. Rob Thompson's funny because, of course, he took Zach Wheeler out of the game, uh, out of game six pretty quickly in, in the World Series um, in, in favor of going to the bullpen. So mm-hmm. it's it kind of is um, it's not consistent. Obviously, he, he does it based on feel at that moment. And you're right. I think. You're right. Aaron Nola probably does get the game two start, but they got to almost be thinking about like, who do we warm up in the bullpen? Like the second he gets into trouble, you know, and it just, it's, it's, it's just, it's been such a strange season for Nola that he just keeps giving up homers. He keeps getting hit around. Some of the other numbers are are really good, but he just can't stay out of the middle of the plate. It's just, and and in the game against the the Royals on Friday, he started walking guys uh, late in the game, and that got him into trouble too. So, you know, it's um it's an interesting decision, and he Aaronola has some time to turn it around and and have everybody gain some more trust in him. But there's no trust in him right now. I think every other starter in the rotation, including Christopher Sanchez, is more trustworthy than Aaron. Well, maybe not Chris Sanchez. That's but for, To me, not Sanchez, but everyone yeah. else for sure. I'd have Michael Lorenzen start before yeah. before Aaron Ola right now. Right now, I think so. Um, let's talk real quickly about Brandon Marsh hitting the injured list. He banged his knee against the center field wall, chasing down a fly ball uh, in the game on, uh, was that Saturday he did that? Yeah, Indeed. I think that was, yep. yeah, it was on Saturday. Uh, bruised knee, he's going to be out two to three weeks. So Johan Rojas, who has been a lot of fun to watch, becomes the everyday center fielder. Uh, Rojas has not been a force at the plate, but because of his speed, he's played a lot of small ball and really done it quite well. Uh, Jake Cave, and they called up Weston Wilson, uh, uh, to play left field, <laughs> Weston Wilson has been tearing it up at Lehigh Valley, but you know it's well, that's a totally it's, tearing so it up Cave. at Lehigh Valley back in 1875 <laughs> is what he's doing. Right. Weston Wilson. It almost feels like Weston Wilson is like the the, the name of like a, a, an old school mail carrier. Like really? you know, yeah, it's, don't you think like oh, I use Weston Wilson to get my I rather than the auto gyro, we send all letters through Weston Wilson. <laughs> oh, see, I'm know. imagining him in Deadwood. <laughs> That would work, too. I'm literally too. just yes. imagining him in Deadwood. <laughs> that works, too. Yeah. Um, but it seems like whenever Kyle Schwarber is the DH, uh, Jake Cave and Weston Wilson will play left field. Uh, Christian Pache will likely return before Brandon Marsh comes back. So you'll probably see Weston Wilson, unless he's tearing things up, uh, get sent down and Christian Pache uh, return to play left field in a platoon with uh, Jake Cave. Kind of interesting. The Phillies decided not to go with uh, Simone Muziadi, who has been tearing it up in AAA as well. And Scott Kingery, man, he's he he's still just plugging away down in AAA. He's he's on a major league deal. I know he's not on the 40 man, but they they just they don't want any part of bringing him to the big leagues. Nope, and they I'm, do I'm, not. I'm they they're done with Scott Kingery. They are playing out the string and Scott's going to be somewhere else next year. Like he he cannot crack the big league roster. It really is kind of interesting, but it is I, it, he he's not Dombrowski's guy and you could tell he wasn't he wasn't Matt Clentax guy by nope. the end either. So, I it, it's too bad, but he he's got some money. Hopefully he saved it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and if the and here's the thing: if the Big Five are performing, you don't need a ton out of Jake Cave, Weston Wilson, um, uh, Johan Rojas. Like you just you need them to play good defense and not and come up with the occasional big hit and not screw anything up. Um, I, I do kind of wish that Dombrowski had gotten another outfielder at this moment. Um, no way you could know that somebody's going to get hurt, but um, Weston, I, Weston Wilson's not doing it for you. 
No, and you know, he's had a tremendous season in AAA. Like the power numbers are there. He's he's been he real and after he had a great spring training too. So I'm glad he's getting the opportunity, um, and maybe he'll make the most of it. You know, Rojas has played pretty well. Uh, we've seen Christian Pache play pretty well when they got the opportunity. So the Phillies have had some some level of success, at least with some of the right-handed hitting young outfielders that they've brought up. Still waiting for Jake Cave uh, to. Um, uh, to to replicate what he did down in AAA, which uh, it, it's not going to happen. But um, hopefully uh, the Phillies will be able to get something out of that combination of players until Brandon Marsh comes back. Brandon Marsh has been their best hitter all year. He's had the highest OPS on the team really since mid-April and has maintained it during the course of the season. I think Castellanos was ahead of him for a little bit, and then Castellanos slumped and Marsh retook it. He's been over 800 virtually the whole season, My which goodness. is mm. just tremendous. What is we don't I don't know that we're talking enough about the season Brandon Marsh is having. We should we should spend an episode or part of an episode talking about what he's done this year. I mean, it's it really is remarkable, the season that he's had. All right, last thing uh, before we wrap up here, Liz, Cole Hamels is hanging him up. Uh, he tried to make a number of comeback bids uh, last with the Padres, uh, but his, his body just won't let him get back on a big league mound, so Cole Hamels this weekend officially announced his retirement. I wanted to ask you, Liz, what your favorite Cole Hamels moment is of all time. I mean, picking one is hard. I mean, in in reality, like I have thousands of favorite Cole Hamels moments because I I loved him. Me I too. loved him. Just watching him pitch was so fun. He was it was so easy. I always loved his motion was just mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Ah, uh, I I. I remember um, everyone calling him Hollywood and then everyone stopped, everyone not calling him that because that was the dumbest <laughs> nickname in the world. Yeah. Because he's just a normal guy who, who what, wore sunglasses or Yeah, something. from California. He's, you know, I think Ryan Howard came up with it. Then he said, like, he came in wearing, like, the flip-flops and the and the, and the and the surfing shirt and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, oh, there's Hollywood right there. I mean, while Chase Utley is like the epitome of Hollywood, but yeah, you know, but not even Hollywood, like- just like that's not even a Hollywood look. That's, <laughs> no, that's, that's Long Beach. Yeah, that's, that's Long Beach. Exactly. Country. Oh, God, Ryan. Yeah, Where it wasn't it- the, what? He's it didn't from stick, St. Louis. so that's you gotta, good. You got to cut him some slack. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the resume is amazing. A no-hitter in 2015 in his final game with the Phillies. That's my favorite moment, really. I've uh-huh. got a lot of favorite moments, but that was my birthday. That was the first birthday I spent with my um, now husband. It was it was a wonderful, awesome day. We had a great dinner, and like Cole Hamill's throwing a no-hitter was just like right in the middle of it. It was amazing. Uh, yeah. And he was part of another no hitter against the against the Braves, where he went six innings, and then the the bullpen finished up a no hitter. I forget what year that was, sure. but um, yeah, I mean they counted, but didn't really count. <laughs> yeah, of course, the 2008 playoff run was amazing. He went four and zero with a 1.80 ERA in five starts. He won Game One of every playoff series, and also won the clinchers, the clinching Game Fives in the NLCS and the World Series. Uh, was MVP of both the NLCS and the World Series. King. I don't know that I can. Yeah, King indeed. I don't know that I can pick any one game from that that I think is my favorite. I mean, maybe the NLDS against the Brewers because in this in this, this the year before against the Rockies in the NLDS, he he started game 1 and got knocked around. And so then he got the ball again the following year against um uh in the NLDS against the Brewers and shoved just like dominated the Brewers for 8 innings. Um that might be my favorite because that was kind of like the signal like Oh, okay. Yeah, this is he's he's, he's different serious. now. 
<laughs> yeah, he's serious now. And then just uh, the the way he went through the Dodgers and the Rays and those other two series where they would not they don't win the World Series without him. The most important part of that 2018 was was Cole Hamels in 100%. my opinion. 100%. Absolutely. Also, his game, his game three complete game shutout of the Cincinnati Reds to sweep the Reds in the NLDS oh, in 2010. Yeah, yes, I was just going to look up some of his post 2008 seasons, and like his 2010 season was, you know, and his 2011 season, God, Excellent. and 2012, the three of those seasons yeah. together were so good. And mm-hmm. he just sort of didn't get noticed because Roy Halladay and then and Cliff Lee were Cliff there. Lee were there, but he was just there plugging away, doing so so well. An ERA under two, barely above three. Like that's that's those are numbers you just don't see. He's so he was so good. Yep. Yeah, and we don't know what happened in 2009. Weird season in 2009, kind of like what Aaron Nola is dealing with here in, in 2023. I think you could probably chalk it up to all those extra innings that he pitched uh, in the postseason and then all of the offseason obligations that come with winning a World Series and suddenly being a, a big star. Or Certainly, I think... It could have just been what the Castellanos and Trey Turner go, are going through. Yeah. Just kind yeah. of like a mental slump. And, you know, all those years ago, there really wasn't the language to talk about that publicly in a way, yeah. for, especially for athletes. Let me ask you a, a trivia question here, Liz. Can you name the five prospects the Phillies got in the Cole Hamels trade? Oh, that's an important question that I hope. I know one of them was... No, I don't know what one of them was. Um, I'll start you off, and this might help jog your memory. Um, Jorge Alfaro was one of them. Oh, gosh. Uh, was there, it Jared Eikhoff? Jared Eikhoff is a, is the second one. That's two of the five. Those are to the Rangers. Um, gosh, I don't remember now. A young lefty-hitting outfielder that we were all very excited about for a little while there. Had a couple—played pretty well for them in 2017. Name rhymes with sick billions. <laughs> <laughs> what is his name? Nick Williams. Nick of course. Williams. Uh, thank you. Sorry, he had just completely left my head. Yes, I know. He's left a lot of our heads. Um, just never really materialized. And then you had Jake Thompson and Alec Asher uh, were the other two prospects to come along in that deal. So the Phillies really didn't get much. At really, I think Jared Eikhoff was probably your 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 best get out of that entire mm-hmm. group. Uh, the Phillies. Uh, got a also got a major league pitcher in the deal with Cole Hamels. In, in addition to the prospects, I imagine you don't remember who the he barely ever pitched for the Phillies. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure he ever actually pitched in a game for the Phillies because he was injured. You remember Matt Harrison? Liz? I my first thought was Matt Harrison, and I'm like, that there you can't go. be right. And yet I was right. It was Matt. And yet Harrison. you were. And can you remember the Philly who went to Texas along with Hamels? The Phillies actually traded two players to Texas in this deal, two major leaguers. This is a a reliever who has had a very long and and very good career in the major in the majors. I don't know. Jake Diekman. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's been around. He's still he, around. He's still well. in there. He's still pitching and pitching really well. Yeah, he's had a remarkably long career. Uh, Jake Diekman has. So good for him. Um, last thing on 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 Hamels. Um, well, actually, actually two things. Should his number be retired by the Phillies? I think so. Yeah, I'm going to say by the Phillies, yes. I know they only do that for Hall of Fame players. I personally think that Cole Hamels has like a really like an edge case for uh, the Hall of Fame, depending mm-hmm. on how some of the chips fall in the next 
you know, <laughs> five yeah. years or whatever. Like there, there. I feel like there is a chance for him down the road. But well, that's what I was going to ask. My next question oh. was: Is he a Hall of Famer? So yeah, good. I'm glad you answered that. Yeah. But I think that regardless of that, the Phillies should retire his number. He is the most important player on one of the most important teams in Phillies history. It's yep. not the I, I, most important team in Phillies history. So, yeah, I think outside of 1980, I think that will always be the most important team, the one that broke the broke the curse, broke the 96 years or whatever. But that 2008 team, that was that was they rode Call Hamels, and that's in that season. And then he went on to have a very long, long career for the Phillies, uh, and and some very good seasons after he left Philadelphia as well. So I I'm I'm also a, a, a large Hall guy. I'm I'm much more lenient in who I think yeah. should be in the Hall of Fame. I think Cole Hamels was one of the two or three best left-handed pitchers of his generation of his era. Obviously Clayton Kershaw. Um, uh, Chris Sale probably get a lot more of the attention as far as left-handed starters go, go. And Cole Hamels didn't blow you away with stuff. So it never looked like you were like, whoa, Cole Hamels, wow, crazy. But the dude just struck a ton of guys out with that fastball changeup and then kept developing pitches as his career went along. He develops a cutter to get right-handers out. And then he develops a curveball to get guys out. I mean, he just kept reinventing himself year after year. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. And I think all the historic benchmark numbers that we think pitchers need to have, that, have, that they've had to have over the course of baseball history they just don't apply anymore like 300 wins is never going to be approached again by any pitcher 200 wins is probably going to be that mark and it may not even need to be 200 wins at this point because pitcher wins don't really matter you're going to look at stuff like war and jaws and you know uh uh, uh feeling him in a pitching how he did compared to his peers during that time i, I think cole hamels is, is worthy of being in the hall of fame and i do think his number should be retired as well so just a very cool thing, and I hope uh, the Phillies get his name on the wall as soon as next year for the Wall of Fame. That's a no-brainer um, to get him up there as as quickly as possible. And it wouldn't be nice to see him maybe throw a first pitch out uh, this year at some point uh, before the season's over, maybe before a playoff game. Did he throw one out last year? I think maybe he did throw one out last year before a playoff game with some of the other 08 guys. Yeah, maybe he I wanna, did. Yeah, I want to say that he did before games three, four, or five of the World Series. I don't remember, but... Um, anyway, Cole Hamill's one of our favorites, yeah. uh, says goodbye to his baseball career, but a great career for Cole. And I'm sure we'll be seeing him back uh, in Philadelphia at some point in I'm, the near future. If they don't retire, I mean, he'll, he, it's got to be next year on the Wall of Fame. For him. I would. I hope like, so. It, it needs to be an instant. Like, th- yeah. there must be recognition of this. This is, I mean, he outlasted every other member of the 2008 World Series team. Yeah, no doubt about it, and I think um, I think they will do that. And just a matter of whether or not they can work out the schedules to get it all done as quickly as possible. I mean, but, what else uh, is he doing? Right. <laughs> he's not well, playing he's baseball this... or preparing hey, to play baseball. He's a charity man, you know. He's got that Cole Hamels Foundation thing going on. I'm sure there's more than just that too. Oh, of um, course, yes. And so, yeah, he's he's a he's a busy dude, I'm I'm sure. But um, all right, let's wrap up this edition of the podcast. Number 702. We're at 702 podcasts already. Wow. I can't believe it. Um, Liz, final thoughts from you. Um, Just a tiny bit more Cole Hamill's talk. Uh, Friend of the podcast, Matt Winkleman, uh, tweeted a, a little blurb from an old Fangraphs article. Uh, talking about some of the players uh, that who could just not not pot possibly be traded for Cole Hamels because they are just too good and too important. Some of the names are accurate. Some will make you laugh. 
We've got <laughs> Xander Bo. This is, uh, by the way, for the uh, the Red Sox. You remember the period where it was just Cole Hamels to the Red Sox, and that's the for only Mookie thing. Betts. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. Xander Bogarts is off limits. Mookie Betts too, and Christian Vasquez since he's already broken in. Blake Swihart <laughs> isn't moving. <laughs> mm. uh, he's worth somewhere between thirty five and fifty million dollars. Henry sure Owens yeah. seems like he's worth right around twenty million to thirty million. That's close, but a little steep. Already, I'm trying to be generous. <laughs> I believe that's current MLB <laughs> team staff member Dave Cameron's work. Um, oh boy! As uh, Matt Winkleman pointed out, uh, Henry Owens and Blake Swire do not look to have been on teams this year, including Independent Ball. So Cole Hamels outlasted both of them. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. That's funny. Those names. Some of those names are ring true. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, but uh, yeah, that would have been great if to get uh, Xander or Mookie, wouldn't it? If they could have just figured out a way to make that happen. Yeah, but that was never going to happen. Like, nope. But like to pretend to have said it like that was just sort of like Cole Hamels is trash garbage, and anyone yeah. thinking that he's worth any type of player is a moron. Yeah, right. It's like you're not sorry. He's not worth any of our top eight picks mm. at uh, prospects. Uh, but uh, We'll take him if you'll uh, take our uh, AAA trash. You know, can you can you handle that? <laughs> no. Um, as it turns out, the Phillies didn't really get anything of value from the Rangers either. Although they did use Alfaro in the uh, Sixto Sanchez uh, JT Realmuto trade, and um, yeah, so, but those other guys all flamed out pretty bad. Um, before we wrap up, I don't know if you caught this, Liz. Um, Trey Turner put up uh, paid for a billboard is thanking Phillies fans for the standing ovations this weekend on billboards around Philadelphia. They're already up, uh, and you can see them as you're driving around. Like this. There's one on I-95 uh, as you're approaching the stadium and in other places. So, I mean, the, these, are the, these are the spring training vibes. We're starting to feel some of the spring training vibes right now. And the Phillies players love playing here, which I, I, I just think is really cool, and it makes okay. this team winning really fun. So. I just love them. They're they're yeah. ridiculous. You know, when Brandon Marsh got hurt in the outfield, uh, Kyle Schwarber came over and like sort of stood in front of him, helped him get up. And Schwarber, who's, who's a little bit taller than Marsh, just kind of put his hands on on Schwarber's shoulders and just sort of was like, ah. Yeah. And then the entire, <laughs> like pretty much the entire team came back to check on him. Like yeah. some people came in from the bullpen and then as as Marsh was limping away, they were sort of following behind him mm-hmm. like just a blob, yeah. like it, like a lost tour. It was really it was heartwarming and funny. Yeah, they love each other, man. It, it is really, so and, cute. And as a fan, you really it makes you like the team. It's so much yes. easier to root for a, a team. You really like the people on it, you know? And it's easy it's, to like them when you see them liking each other and enjoying yeah. what they're doing. Did you see Reese Hoskins, by the way? Yes, I did. <laughs> Standing on the huge top biceps. step. Yeah, mm-hmm. flexing during the course of the game. That was. Uh, did you see Nick Castellanos when Turner hit the home run? His reaction in yes. the dugout. Uh. You know, with the yeah, it's all great. It's it's all great right now. And and thankfully they won on Sunday <laughs> to keep the vibes That's, yes pristine right now. Uh, and we'll see how they do uh, when the Nationals come into town. I think it's a bad time for the Nationals to come into town for Washington. I, I think the Phillies are gonna. I think the Phillies are gonna have a good week against uh, against so. the Nationals. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. And uh, don't forget, folks, to check out the Hit and Season Patreon. we got lots of good stuff going on over there. Check us out at patreon.com slash hit and season. And, of course, you can find all of our work at billypen.com. Check out our landing page. It's billypen.com slash hit and season. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season. <laughs>